Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, if you're looking for a great place to help your salespeople sell more stuff, manage their clients, and also move deals faster, check out Arrow's products at heyarrow.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean is nice enough to come on the podcast a couple times a week to talk about what's going on. But since this is Thanksgiving... Probably just talk one time this week. Sean, how yes. you doing, man? I'm doing really good. I'm getting ready to be in a foul mood here on Thursday. Yeah. It's funny how that brings it out in people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Clever joke. I like those foul jokes this time of year. They always make me laugh. Always make me laugh. You have big Thanksgiving plans? You got all the family coming over? Or how's that work at the Hackett House? Yeah, we're gonna anyway. Everybody who's willing to come, is <laughs> <laughs> coming. Right on, right on. Right on. Kind of enter so, at your own risk type of thing. Is that what you put on the door? Yeah, you know, uh, leave her knives at leave her knives at the door. <laughs> right on. Right on. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, there's a lot of there's a few things going on today. You know, it's a pretty quiet week this week. You know, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think they close uh, obviously closed on um, Thursday. Open up back up on Friday, and then um, but it's half a day half on a Friday. Day. Yeah, yeah. So it's things really, really get quiet yep. starting tomorrow afternoon. It's it's, it's a yeah. Yep. It's one of those weeks. Yep. So. so it's just one of those weeks where either a lot of stuff happens or nothing happens. There's nothing in between. It seems like so. Right now, as you take a look at what's going on, Sean, kind of what are some of your reactions to what you see happen out there right now? Well, I, th- I think Thanksgiving week, it's a lot of reflection of where have we come and where are we going, mm-hmm. right? So what's really been the story for grains here in the last, let's say, month, month and a half, it's really been all about the wheat market. That's really been the driver, the catalyst, the, the market that uh, has, has repriced higher the high quality wheat shortage, Russia constraining exports. And now we've talked about this on your show before Ukraine mm-hmm. and Russia, you know, they seem to be, you know, not liking each other again and that sort of thing. So that continues to be um, a hot spot. Wheat cannot be done without. I mean, it's one of those 
uh, ag markets that if you're worried about it, if you think there might not be enough, I mean, it's, it's a panic trade. So how this develops uh, over the winter months, uh, we're going into the dormancy season with the U.S. winter wheat crop rated very poorly and the Russian winter wheat crop rated very poorly. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you have winter kill. Um, because if winter kill and you have a poorly established crop, the damage can be great, much, much worse if you have insufficient snowfall. So that's kind of where we're at. But if you, if my forecast is correct, that we're going to have a late ending winter and a, and a pretty challenging, chaotic uh, post dormancy season, uh, what's developing now in the, in the wheat market probably has quite a bit further to go, Casey. And so I still feel right now wheat's driving corn. Corn is driving soybeans. It's a wheat-centric uh, grain market. I think it's going to continue to be that way for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So. Okay, so now as you take a look at some of the stuff here, let's jump back and talk about that stuff that's over in Russia right now. So Russia and Ukraine, Belarus and Poland are getting getting a little, you know, kind of feisty with each other. I guess as you take a look at, you know, the amount of stuff that comes through there, I mean, we're talking like not just necessarily the wheat trade, but also – pipelines that are coming out of russia into europe that go through ukraine and go through those part of the part of the world they're not looking at where natural gas is right now and you start throwing other things on top of that i guess what are your thoughts there is as do you are you expecting to see the trade start taking a closer look at those things from a natural gas perspective russia is in a position right now where they they have wheat mm -hmm. They have natural gas, they have a lot of resources, and they feel that they're in a position where they can exert geopolitical power right now. And they're doing it uh, because they know they can. They're in the, and the, for the, for right now, they have the upper hand, and they think that they can, um, you know, get some advantage in the geopolitical scene by putting this pressure on Europe, putting this pressure on Greece, for, for example, that buys a lot of wheat, you know, that sort of thing. And so... I, I think they're going to want to continue to try to, uh, you know, get as much out of this crisis as they possibly can before inevitably, it, you know, things calm down and, and, and things kind of normalize a little bit. So they're going to continue to be a problem for natural gas, for energy, and for wheat going forward. And, um, and so there's probably more fireworks ahead. I don't think they're done um, playing all their cards yet in terms of what they want to accomplish over the winters into the spring. So Yeah, that's a... It almost makes you think that they're going to do something when it gets cold, you know, make some move someplace to where they're like, all right, cool, it's uh, February, and we're going to shut off the natural gas to Europe. So, um, yeah, see how much you like that type of thing. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Russia does as, you know, the winter progresses when they kind of have an upper hand on, on the rest of the world there a little bit. Um, so right now, let's let's talk about wheat a little bit. So wheat yesterday, you know, we, we've been hitting that pretty hard and what that looks like. Wheat uh, yesterday, I believe, had a just an explosive day. I mean, it was up like 25 cents and just took off and ran like crazy. Um, but down, you know, it obviously settled down a little bit today and what that looks like. But I guess as you take a look at, at, at wheat right now, what was, what was kind of driving that big run-up earlier this week? I, mean, I really think it's continued angst. Uh, over the supplies of wheat, over just, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like you take the number one exporter of wheat off the market at a time that we already have tighter supplies, at a time that we have an historic high-quality wheat shortage, 
you know, you just have people that are very nervous. We're going into the winter season. Everyone's worried about the logistical problems getting worse. It's just, it's just everybody is uncomfortable. And, you know, wheat has always been a choke point for, for countries. It's the most global ag market out there. Everybody produces it, yeah. needs it, uses it, exports it, buys it. And so, you know, wheat gets, wheat gets going and, and it just sets off a lot of, um, a lot of emotional trade. And I think that the wheat market is, is sensing that. And, um, and like I said, if, if our overall winter weather forecast is correct, you know, we feel blow off tops are coming here as we go into the spring season. What exactly that means for price, we'll have to see. But you know, we've been pretty strong that we think corn and uh, wheat markets are likely to make a higher high than they made this past season. It could be considerably higher if our weather forecast is remotely correct. And so I continue to believe that if you're on the cash buyer side of corn or wheat or whatever, I'd be using breaks over the winter months to just make sure, you know, I, I got myself covered just in case I am correct. And we have this really, really important shortage here in the, in the springtime. Yeah. So, all right. I've been reading about this and you now there's a new, there's a new probe in about every, every commodity market right now because the prices are so expensive and there's a million reasons why prices are expensive outside of price gouging. But I mean, I'm sure there's some guys that are, that are taking a look at that and, and seeing an opportunity to make some money. But I guess as you take a look at what's going on in a couple different things, one is the one that there's, there's Biden wants this probe into what's going on in uh, the, the, the oil markets, you know, and start talking about our, our people taking advantage of stuff. And then you got, you know, Elizabeth Warren coming out here talking about she wants to probe into the turkey and poultry markets because, you know, prices are so expensive. What, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, it's, it's a truly an inflationary thing. It's a logistics thing. There's a million different things that are going into that that are driving up prices, least of which, in my opinion, are, are price gouging. So I guess what's your thoughts there? Well, there's always some price gouging, always. I mean, there's always those that look to scalp uh, of course, yeah. during, during these times. Right. But the majority of the reason for the higher prices is not gouging. It is the fact that we've had very, very, very bad weather for several years now that have hurt production. Um, but more importantly, uh, the logistical problems, the post-virus Delays, you know, 100 ships waiting, you know, three yeah. months, four months, five months to get a shipment from A to B, you know, not getting your shipments on time, defaults on cash contracts. That's just something we really have not had to deal with before. And so that, you know, you can have all the supply you want, but there's 100 ships that are not getting loaded. You can't move it even if you have it. Right. That's the problem right now. I mean, you know, yeah, I got tons of wheat, but I, and once these hundred chips are loaded, I'll get it to you. You know, mm -hmm. that's the problem right now. And I, and, and that's not nothing the government can do to end that other than to find ways to, you know, quicken that process. You know, why are we having these delays? Well, you know, I'm no expert on logistical issues, but it seems like at least in California, there's a lot of environmental rules that are preventing a lot of truckers from trucking that used to be able to truck because they don't have the right trucks and the right engines and, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but there seem to be a lot of rules that could be rolled back temporarily, Casey, mm -hmm. that could alleviate the situation, that could make things better. And I would 
be thinking about those kind of things versus trying to find uh, someone gouging uh, Turkey or something like that. I think that the reason for the, these high prices are more to do with those kinds of things and Mother Nature, of which you know the government really can't do anything about. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, agreed. Um, and, and the last thing I would say is, you know, maybe, just maybe, you know, spending fifteen trillion dollars in the course of eighteen months and printing. 15 to 20 trillion dollars in the last 15 to 18 months possibly that overshot the mark a little and maybe and maybe we put too much money into the system that we, that we that maybe we should have and that's creating its own issues of too much money chasing too few goods it's possible mm-hmm. that maybe the you know the some of these spending plans and printing uh, monetary plans that the US and other countries have done you know Maybe that took it a little bit too far. Maybe they need to roll that back a little bit. You know, possibly that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. Possibly. There's Sean and his conspiracy theories again. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure that has it's, a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a theory, but but yeah. they probably did a little bit too much, Casey. They probably yeah. did a little bit too they, much. They might have might have done a little too much there. <laughs> just just a little. <laughs> just just you know. <laughs> Eight trillion too much, yeah. just a little, yeah. just a little. Yeah, they went overshot it by fifty percent, not too. Yeah, much. just you know, it's, it was close. Yeah, it's close. Yep. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about what's going on over in the energy markets here a little bit more in depth. Obviously, this is a big travel weekend for folks. Um, this is kind of the first post-COVID um, holiday time frame that that folks are going to really get out and travel about and, and really really go more so than probably next year i think they're anticipating a, a pretty big jump in what we're seeing there but now you you throw you know three dollar and fifty cent gas you know four dollar gas in some places on top of that what do you think that'll do to uh to the gasoline market diesel markets those kind of things as we head towards the end of the year right now because you're going to see the same thing christmas time too <clears throat> i mean i think largely the market you know, of course knows that we always get better, better, you know, bigger travel during the holidays, and so it anticipates that, right? It anticipates it runs the price up in advance, and we've had a huge run up in gasoline prices, we have. huge run up in, in heating oil prices. So, I can't imagine the market is going to be surprised that we're going to drive a lot and fly a lot. Um, I think it really comes down to, um, you know, what kind of weather does the world have does the u.s have does north america have you know that's what i'm not you know i think the the market has priced in a normal winter okay Mm -hmm. but i don't believe they priced in a colder than normal winter or a really colder than normal winter and i think that uh should that pattern develop as we've been talking about on this show as we move into you know the end of the month into december you know that could be where the market has not priced in what it needs to and that could be where the next switch goes off to re, you know, to, to price further higher, not having anticipated that. So that's where I think the market may not have anticipated things yet. Hard to imagine they haven't anticipated an active holiday travel season. It's been advertised for quite a long time. And so I think prices probably have already reflected that. Yeah. And of course, there is talk about releasing some of this inventory from uh, the reserves, you know, the strategic reserves here in the U.S. But remember, you can release all the oil you want. Yeah. It's a processing issue, right? You can only you know you can only process so much of them. From what I understand, the processor, the the 
the refineries, you know, refine as much as they can. So they, they could, they can make oil as cheap as they want, but right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure cheap as up gas and heating oil that much. No, so. no, I think, that, I think the normal U S um, refinery is running something like 98% capacity, you know, 90% exactly. capacity. I mean, it's, they're, they're going as high, fast as they can go. All right, Sean, last but not least, we've been talking about hogs and, you know, just kind of further kind of hit on what we talked about last week when we were talking about hogs. As you take a look what's going on down, I mean, they've had some pretty sharp turns, but volatility in the marketplace is going to do that. And, and as markets start to to rally up, they're going to start, they're going to have these big swings. So I guess as you look at the hog market right now, what are your thoughts there? <clears throat> You know, we're kind of getting to where holiday holiday demands going to start to ebb. You know, Chinese imports of U.S. pork are down forty one percent here in the fall from last year because we talked about the oversupply, the ASF, mm-hmm. the liquidation. We don't think they're going to come back into the market until we get into the first quarter, late first quarter. It's going to be really, really hard to support the hog market here, uh, Casey. As this holiday demand comes off, we're worried about another shot down in the hog market into the first quarter before we get more constructive that they're going to rebuild the herd. The shortages are going to start to redevelop pork prices and hog prices are going to take off in China and they're going to have to come back to our market and buy big again. But we got to get we have to get there first and we don't think we're there yet. So we're continue to want to be a hedger if you're a producer of of pork of, of hogs and you know, we just we, we just want to be a hedger here into the first quarter protect first quarter prices we just are worried about that right now so right on well Sean, the guys- other th- the, the, the other thing that the other thing that i would mention uh uh the weather pattern in south america you know we've been talking about wet in brazil dry yep. there is something new that's potentially developing that we wanted to talk about real quick okay if it's if it's okay absolutely um we talk a lot about sudden stratospheric warming here in, north, in, in the north, in the, in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. But we do get sudden stratospheric warming events in the South Pole, in the Antarctic. Uh, if we, typi- we typically get them between September and January. That's typically the time frame we get them. And we're getting one. It looks like we're getting one now over Antarctica. Uh, a sudden, you know, where the air above Antarctica is starting really, really warm. Uh, pretty rapidly. Now remember, this is they're moving into their summertime, so we're not talking about you know mm-hmm. <laughs> freezing temperatures like we right. are in the U.S. Right. This is more about rainfall patterns. So what's interesting is we went back to 1970 and looked at all the sudden stratospheric warming events that took place in Antarctica uh, to now. Every single one has occurred during an El Nino, but one occurred during a La Nina, and we're in a La Nina. So this, so 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 what's happening is pretty unusual. They have a sudden strike of warming in La Nina, but but when we ran the analog against that year, what it showed was that it supports a very very dry Argentina, which was already part of our forecast, but it actually enhances the dryness in Argentina. But what it also does is it actually starts to dry out Brazil from the central south to the central west, uh, something that has been wet up to this point. So if this sudden stratospheric warming event verifies as it looks like it is and we get a full-blown event here in December, 
we're going to start thinking about drying out our forecast here, Casey, for Brazil. And that could really have some implication for second crop corn production. Uh, soybeans is going to be kind of too late to worry about that, but it could be another issue for second crop corn. So just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind that we might need to dry up our forecast here for the key growing regions of Mato Grosso in the western part of Brazil uh, based upon this new development that's taking place that, uh, that, that looks pretty clear is starting to happen. So it's an interesting development, but something that doesn't really change the Argentina forecast, except it accentuates it, but it does dry out the back half of the growing season for Brazil. And so that's something we're going to be eyeing, uh, focusing on a little more closely um, and, and possibly drying out our second half forecast here quite a bit um, if we get a couple more weeks of this warming that we think looks like it's going to happen. So something definitely keep your eye on because it, it has a huge impact on moisture patterns. Uh, the other thing for Australia, Australia's been very, very wet. I'm sure anyone's been yep. following it's been very, very wet. It also means a big dry out for them. Okay. So just, just, just something to, this is like, like within the last week, we're just, just popping up on our radar screen that everybody needs to keep, uh, keep an eye on it. It could be a big change in the weather pattern. It could be a market mover as we move into the uh, first half of 2022 for Brazil. So right on. That'd be a, that'd be a big deal because right now they're, they're, actually talking about some too much water so if it flips around the other way to where you could have some potential mild drought situation then that could make a big difference in in what we see happening out there as far as corn price goes especially you know as we move into that january february time frame when, when we're done counting everything that's in the bin so be interesting well you know co corn prices for sure second crop corn mm -hmm. uh certainly you know coffee prices sugar price i mean there's a lot of markets that would be impacted by a dry second half growing season pattern so um you know it's, it's early you know uh more has to develop but i mean it, it is a legitimate enough warming now that we're thinking this could be something that's going to start to really uh change the pattern in brazil that, that from what we've seen up to this point yep. doesn't really change the weather into december but could change it from january onward so something for your listeners to maybe keep in the back of their head about you know how they're thinking about second half production right so well that's a good development sean thanks for, thanks for uh, throwing that out there um well i think that pretty well covers it for today sean pretty good stuff as usual and you did a great job throwing that in there at the end because that's going to be something to really pay attention to so folks want to get more information about what you're looking at there what's the best way to do that our website is hackett h-a-c-k-e-t-t advisors.com we have interviews white papers mm -hmm. uh sample reports all kinds of things on there to let people know how we do things and why we do it to see if we could be of some assistance to your listeners absolutely and guys definitely pay attention to what sean's saying because what he just said right there, I, I promise you won't hear anybody else saying that. So make sure you check that out. So, Sean, have a good Thanksgiving, man. You too, Casey. Really, really appreciate it. And I'm grateful for being on your show. Well, so. I'm grateful you're on my show. So that's a, that's a two-way street there, but so appreciate that, man. So I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as all things related to the Moving Iron Summit, as well as the podcast, too. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go inspire, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, 
There's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.